stated that today I will continue narrating the accounts from the life of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that took place soon after the Battle of Badr. In history, the account of the son-in-law of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Abu al-As, accepting Islam is recorded in the following manner. It is said that in Jamadi al-Ula, the fifth month of the Islamic calendar, in the sixth year after Hijrah, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, sent an expedition towards Is under the command of Zad bin Harsa. Is is located at a distance of a four-day journey from Medina. And it is said that when the distance is mentioned in the form of days, historians say that a day's journey consists of 12 miles. And as such, this place is located at a distance of 48 miles from Medina. Some details of this expedition are as follows. In Jamadi ul-Ula, in the sixth year after Hijrah, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, sent off an expedition of 70 companions under the command of Zaid bin Harsa from Medina. And the reason given behind this expedition is that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was informed of a caravan of the Quraysh of Mecca approaching from Syria. Hence, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, dispatched this unit, and the objective of the trade caravan was to launch an attack on the Muslims and start a war upon arrival. In any case, this expedition of the companions stopped them and seized all their belongings. They even took some prisoners, and among these prisoners was Abul As. In Sirat Khatam al Nabiyyin, i.e., the life and character of the Seal of Prophets, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib relates this incident in the following manner that Abul As bin Rabi was also among the prisoners who were captured in the expedition to Is. Abul As was the son in law of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and a near relative of the late Hazrat Khatija. Prior to this, he was also captured in the Battle of Badr, but the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, 
released him on the condition that when he reached Mecca, he would send his daughter, uh, Hazrat Zainab ta'ala anha, to Medina. Abu Az fulfilled his promise, but was still personally a polytheist. When Zaid bin Harsa captured him and brought him to Medina, it was night, but somehow Abu Az managed to send word to Hazrat Zainab ta'ala anha, that I have been captured and brought here, and if possible, see if you can arrange something for my release. And so, just as the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and his companions were engaged in their morning prayer, Hazrat Zainab announced from her home in a loud voice that, O ye Muslims, I have granted Abu al-As protection. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had completed his salat, he turned to his companions and said that whatever Zainab has said, you have heard it. And by God, I had no prior knowledge of this. But the community of the believers is like a single soul. And so, if one of them grants protection to a disbeliever, its honour is incumbent upon us. Thereafter, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, turned to Zainab and said that we have granted protection to whom you endow protection. And the wealth which was acquired from Abu Las during this expedition was returned to him. And then the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, entered the home of Zainab and said to his daughter, Be very hospitable to Abu Las, but do not meet him in seclusion. Under the current circumstances, it is not lawful that you meet with him. Then after a stay of few days, Abu Las went to Mecca, but this time his return to Mecca was not for permanent residence, for he quickly settled all of his affairs and set off to Medina, reciting the Kalima Shahada. And then upon reaching the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he became a Muslim. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, sent Hazrat Zainab ta'ala anha to him without a new nikah. In certain narrations, it is also mentioned that the nikah of Hazrat Zainab and Abul As was performed anew, but the first narration is more reliable and authentic. From this, we also receive the edict that if a woman seeks separation due to the disbelief of her husband, then there is no need for another nikah to be performed once he becomes a believer. Hazrat Zainab ta'ala did not live long after her husband accepted Islam and passed away in the eighth year after Hijrah. Hazrat Umm Ayman, Hazrat Soda, Hazrat Umm Salama and Hazrat Umm Atiyah washed her body in accordance with the guidance of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Hazrat Umm Atiyah relates that when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed them to wash the body of his daughter, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that start washing her from the right side of her body and those parts of the body that are washed at the time of ablution. In another narration, the details of this are found as follows. Hazrat Umm Atiyah relates that when the daughter of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Ayy Hazrat Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha passed away, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said to us, 
that wash her body an odd number of times, that is thrice or five times, and then apply some camphor after the fifth wash, and inform me once you are finished washing her body. She further narrates that we informed the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and he gave us his outer clothing, i.e. the izar, and told us to use it as the shi'ar, that is, he gave us the cloth that was wrapped around the back, and the shi'ar is the cloth that is placed around the body. Following this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, led the funeral prayer, and he then entered into the grave and buried his daughter. Hazrat Zainab ta'ala anha left two children behind, Ali and Umama, and according to one narration, Ali passed away in his childhood, whereas according to another narration, Ali reached an age of maturity. And according to Ibn Asakir, he has written that he was martyred during the Battle of Yarmouk, and at the conquest of Makkah, he was riding behind the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And in relation to Hazrat Umme Umama, it is stated that following the demise of Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu had his nikah done with her. Hazrat Abul As's trade business was all in Makkah and therefore he could not stay in Medina. And so, after accepting Islam, he took permission from the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and returned to Makkah. And due to residing in Makkah, he did not have the opportunity to take part in any military expeditions, except for one which was sent in 10 Hijri under the lead of Hazrat Ali. Upon returning from Yemen, Hazrat Ali radiallahu appointed him as the governor of Yemen. And after the demise of Hazrat Zainab, Hazrat Abul As did not live long and passed away in 12 Hijri. Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmed Sahib has written with reference to Hazrat Abul As and the fact that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was pleased with him in the following manner. He writes that the son-in-law of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Abul As bin Rabi, was a near relative of Hazrat Khatija i.e. her nephew, and despite being a polytheist, his treatment towards his wife was very kind, and after he became a Muslim, the relationship of both husband and wife also remained pleasant. Therefore, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would often praise Abul As in this regard, saying that he had treated his daughter well. Abul As passed away in the era of the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr in 12 Hijri, and his honourable wife, however, passed away in the lifetime of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Thus, the previous narration about Hazrat Ali appointing him as a governor seems a little doubtful. His daughter, Umama, who was very dear to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was married to Hazrat Ali radiallahu after the demise of Hazrat Fatima radiallahu but she did not have any children. The Battle of Savik took place in Zulhijjah 2 Hijri and the reason for the Battle of Savik is that when the idolaters returned to Mecca defeated and grief-stricken, Abu Sufyan did not permit himself to pour oil on himself and took an oath that he would not bathe until he took revenge for what happened at Badr against the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and his companions. According to a narration, Abu Sufyan set off with 200 riders whereas according to another narration, 
It is said that he set off with 40 riders in order to fulfill his vow. Abu Sufyan did not take the regular path to Medina and instead set off on the path towards Najd. And when he reached the top of the Kinad Valley, he set up camp close to the Yatib mountain, which is situated approximately 12 miles from Medina. Kinad is among the three well-known valleys of Medina, which is situated between Medina and Uhud. Abu Sufyan set off at night and reached the Banu Nazir tribe in the darkness of the night. And having reached Huyay bin Akhtab, he knocked on his door, but he refused to open the door. And so Abu Sufyan then went to Salam bin Mishkam, who at the time was the chief and the treasurer of the Banu Nazir tribe. Abu Sufyan sought his permission to enter, and he thus granted it. And he hosted him and provided him food and drink, and also discussed all the confidential matters of the people and of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. That is to say, he informed him of his daily routine, in other words, what he does and where he is at any given time. Thereafter, Abu Sufyan departed from there in the latter part of the night and returned to his companions. He then sent a few people of the Quraysh to a place called Urez on the outskirts of Medina. Urez is a date palm orchard situated three miles from Medina. These individuals burned down several date groves and killed an Ansari man along with his helper. And according to one narration, this Ansari was Hazrat Ma'bad bin Amr. When Abu Sufyan felt that his vow had been fulfilled from the damage caused and having taken some sort of revenge and his fire for revenge had subsided somewhat, he then set off with his army back to Mecca. It is also stated that Abu Sufyan committed this the same night he returned, having met Salam bin Mashkam. In any case, when the people learned of this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, appointed Hazrat Abu Lubaba Bashir bin Abdul Munzir as his deputy and set off on the 5th of Dhul Hijjah on a Sunday in the 22nd month after Hijrah, along with 200 companions from among the Muhajireen and Ansar in pursuit of Abu Sufyan. They eventually reached Karkaratul Qudr. And Karkaratul Qudr is a place near Al Hazia on the outskirts of Qudr Madan, which is 96 miles from Medina. It is also mentioned that this was the watering place of the Banu Salam. But in any case, Abu Sufyan and his army were still fleeing quietly and continued to throw bags of barley, which was their normal travel provision at the time. The Muslims continued to pick those up, and this is why it is called Ghazwa-i-Sadiq, as it was the ghazwa the battle of the barley. Barley in Arabic is called Sadiq. In any case, Abu Sufyan and his army fled and the Muslims were unable to catch them and so the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, returned to Medina. 
When the companions were returning alongside with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, they asked that, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, do you feel that this was a battle of ours? To which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied that yes, this was a battle, whether there was a fight or not. Details of this are mentioned in the life and character of the seal of prophets as follows. It is written that after Badr, Abu Sufyan had vowed that until he had sought revenge for those who had fallen at Badr, he would abstain from having any relations with his wife and also applying oil to his hair. As such, a few months after Badr, in the month of Zulhijjah, Abu Sufyan set out from Mecca with a force of 200 armed men from the Quraysh and reached a place close to Medina by the route of Najd. Upon reaching there, he left his army at some distance from Medina and in the veil of the darkness of night, he reached the abode of Huyay bin Akhtab, who was the chief of the Jewish tribe, the Banu Nazir, and sought his aid. However, since Huyay still somewhat remembered his treaty and agreement, he refused. Since he had an agreement with the Muslims, he did not help nor give him any protection. Then, in the same manner, Abu Sufyan secretly went to the home of another chief of the Banu Nazir named Salam bin Mashkam and sought his support against the Muslims. This wretched man, however, very audaciously ignored all of his treaties and agreements and warmly welcomed Abu Sufyan as a guest for the night and transmitted secret intelligence to him pertaining to the Muslims. Before dawn, Abu Sufyan took leave and upon reaching his army dispatched a contingent of the Quraysh to raid a valley named Ariz which was located close to Medina. This was a valley where the animals belonging to the Muslims would graze and which was situated at a distance of only three miles from Medina. It is likely that Abu Sufyan was made aware of this through Salam bin Mashkam. And when this contingent of the Quraysh reached the valley of Ariz, fortunately at the time, the animals belonging to the Muslims were not present, albeit a Muslim from among the Ansar and a companion of his were present at the time. The Quraysh apprehended both of them and ruthlessly murdered them. Then they set ablaze the date palms in the area and set fire to the homes and small huts which were located there before returning to the camp of Abu Sufyan. Considering this success as being sufficient fulfilment of his vow, Abu Sufyan ordered the army to return. On the other hand, when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was informed of the attack made by Abu Sufyan, he set out with a group of companions in his pursuit. However, since Abu Sufyan did not fancy throwing the fulfilment of his vow into doubt, he fled so frantically that the Muslim army was unable to apprehend him. Ultimately, after an absence of a few days, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, returned to Medina. And this Ghazwa is known as the Ghazwa of Sabiq because when Abu Sufyan made haste to Mecca, he fled leaving his ration behind, which primarily consisted of Sabiq or sacks of barley, partly due to anxiety and also in order to lighten his load.
With regards to the Battle of Savik, it is mentioned that a battle with this name also occurred after the Battle of Ahad in 4 Hijri. Thus, Tabari has mentioned two battles with the name Savik, one which took place prior to the Battle of Ahad, the details of which have just been mentioned, and the second battle was after the Battle of Ahud. However, other books of history, such as Sirat ibn Hisham, Subulul Huda, etc., have called this battle by the name the Battle of Badrul Muib. And I will also provide some details regarding this battle. In short, when Abu Sufyan intended to return back on the day of Ahud, he shouted and addressing the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he stated, that between us and you all, I give a promise that one year from now we will fight at Badr al-Sufra. Badr al-Sufra was a place where the Arabs used to gather and set up their markets. And so the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, commanded Hazrat Umar that tell them that we accept, inshallah. And upon this agreement, the people dispersed from there. And so, in accordance with this agreement between Abu Sufyan and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him at Ahud, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, set out the following year towards Badr. And upon reaching there, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, camped for eight nights in wait for Abu Sufyan. Abu Sufyan went to the outskirts of Marruz Zahran with the people of Mecca and stayed at Majanna. Majanna is also a city a few miles from Mecca in Marru Zahran near Jablul Aswad. After this, he made the excuse of drought and returned to Mecca with his people, and he did not have the courage to come forth. The people of Mecca began to call this army the Army of Savik because they drank Savik, i.e. grain drink or barley drink, on their way there. With regards to the first Eid al-Adha, it is said that upon returning from the Battle of Savik in 2 Hijri, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, observed Eid al-Adha, which was the first Eid al-Adha of the Muslims. On the 10th of Zul Hijjah, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, went outside of Medina with his companions, and he led the congregational prayer, and he also slaughtered the animals there with his own blessed hands. It is mentioned in a narration that when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, returned to Medina from the expedition of Banu Kanaka, it was Eid al-Adha, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and whoever among his companions had sacrificial animals, slaughtered them on the 10th of Zul Hijjah. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, went with his companions to the Eidgah, where he led the first Eid al-Adha prayer. This was the first Eid al-Adha prayer which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, led his companions in within Medina, and there he also slaughtered one or two goats with his own hands. As a Jabir bin Abdullah narrates, that upon their return from the expedition of Kanka, we offered the sacrifice on the 10th of Zul Hijjah, and this was the first sacrifice performed in front of the Muslims. 
We performed our sacrifice in the Banu Salama area. And he says that I counted the number of sacrifices that day and there were 17 sacrifices that I counted. This is a reference from Tariq al-Tabari. And Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmed Sahib writes regarding this incident in the life and character of the seal of the prophets as follows. It is written that in this very year, during the month of Zulhijjah, the second Islamic festival, i.e. Eid al-Adha, was ordained, which is celebrated on the 10th of Zulhijjah throughout the Islamic world. On this Eid, in addition to Salat, which is the true Eid of every true Muslim, it is obligatory upon every such Muslim who possesses the means to sacrifice a four-legged animal and distribute its meat amongst his kith and kin, friends, neighbours, etc., and to partake of it himself as well. As Amizza Bashir Ahmad Sahib goes into detail so that people can also learn about the fundamental teachings as well. Thus, this is the manner in which the sacrificial meat is distributed. He further writes, As such, on the day of Eid al-Adha, and for two days thereafter as well, hundreds of thousands, rather millions of animals are slaughtered for the sake of Allah throughout the entire Islamic world. And in this manner, by way of practice, remembrance of the magnificent sacrifice made by Hazrat Ibrahim, Hazrat Ismail and Hazrat Hajra, the greatest example of which was the life of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, is kept alive. And each and every Muslim is exhorted that he too should be prepared to sacrifice his life wealth and all of his possessions in the way of his master and lord. Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmad Sahib ta'ala anhu further writes that just in the case of Eid al-Fitr, this Eid is also celebrated at the completion of a grand Islamic worship and that worship is the Hajj. Hazrat Fatima ta'ala anha's nikah also took place in two Hijri. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala requested the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, for Hazrat Fatima's hand in marriage. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, happily accepted. Hazrat Anas radiallahu ta'ala narrates that both Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar requested the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, for Hazrat Fatima's hand in marriage. But the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, remained silent and did not respond to them. Upon studying the various narrations, it reveals that it was Hazrat Umar and Hazrat Abu Bakr who made this request first, followed by Hazrat Ali. In any case, Hazrat Ali narrates that I went to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and asked if he would marry Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha to me. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied that do you have anything for the dowry? I replied that I have my horse and armour. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that you will require a horse, but you can sell the armour. And so I sold my armour 480 dirhams and arranged for the dowry. In another narration, it states that Hazrat Ali sold his armour to Hazrat Usman. And Hazrat Usman not only paid for the armour, but he then also returned that armour back to Hazrat Ali. Hazrat Ali says that I bought that amount and placed it in the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him's lap. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, gave a handful of it to Bilal and instructed him to buy some perfume and bring it to him. He also instructed others to prepare Hazrat Fatima's dowry. And so, a bed and a leather pillow filled with bark from date palms was prepared for her. 
Thus, the dowry can also be used in this manner as well. Some people say that after the marriage has taken place, they do not have to give the dowry, i.e. the hakmer. However, this example shows that the expenses were in fact covered using the hakmer, i.e. the dowry itself. And according to another narration, whilst giving his daughter's hand in marriage to Hazrat Ali, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that my Lord has commanded me to carry this out. Then, after seeing his daughter off, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said to Hazrat Ali, that when Fatima comes to you, do not say anything to her until I come to you. And so Hazrat Fatima came, accompanied by Hazrat Ummi Ayman, and took a seat in a portion of the house. And Hazrat Ali says that I too sat in another portion. Thereafter, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, arrived and said, That is my brother here. Ummi Ayman replied that your brother, yet you have married your daughter after him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied that yes, because marriages between such relatives, who are cousins, can take place. Nevertheless, he is not my actual biological brother. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then entered and asked Hazrat Fatima to bring him water. Hazrat Fatima stood up and brought him a bowl of water that was stored in the house. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, took the water, put it in his mouth for some time and then put it back into the bowl. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then told Hazrat Fatima to come forward. She came forward and he sprinkled some water onto her and on her head. And whilst offering prayers for her, he said, That is, O Allah, I put her and her children in your refuge from Satan the accursed. Then the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, And look the other way. And when she turned around, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, sprinkled water between her shoulders, and then did the same to Hazrat Ali. And addressing Hazrat Ali, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then said, that go to your family with Allah's name and his blessings. In another narration, Hazrat Ali relates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, performed ablution in a bowl and sprinkled that water onto him and Hazrat Fatima and said, That is, O Allah, bless both of them and bless their communion. Hazrat Aisha and Hazrat Umm Salama narrate, Now the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, instructed us to prepare Fatima and bring her to Hazrat Ali. She says, Thus we returned home and spread some soft sand taken from around the area of Batha. In other words, they first prepared the home and thereafter filled two pillows with bark from the date palms and carded them with our own hands. We also put out dates, raisins and sweet water to eat and drink and also set up a wooden stand on one side of the room to hang clothes on and so that a water skin could also be hanged upon it. She says we had not seen a better wedding than Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anhas and the Valima dinner comprised of dates, barley, goat cheese and hairs. Hairs is a dish that combines dates, clarified butter and goat cheese. Hazrat Asma bin Umayyas narrates that in that era, this was the best Valima that had taken place. This marriage and Valima dinner is a great example of simplicity. The marriage of Hazrat Fatima and Hazrat Ali is mentioned in great detail in the life and character of the seal of prophets. There are some additional details in this which are important and so I will mention this as well.
It is said that Hazrat Fatima anha, was the youngest child of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, from among the children he was blessed with from Hazrat Khadija anha. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, held Hazrat Fatima anha most dear to himself, and on account of her personal merit, she was undoubtedly most worthy of this distinct love. In other words, she had many qualities. Now her age had more or less reached 15 and she had begun to receive proposals of marriage. It was Hazrat Abu Bakr who was the very first to make a request for Hazrat Fatima, but the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, apologized. Then Hazrat Umar made a proposal, but his request was not accepted either. After this, upon judging that the intention of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, seemed to be with respect to Hazrat Ali, both these honourable men approached Hazrat Ali and encouraged him to make a proposal with regards to Hazrat Fatima. Hazrat Ali, who was perhaps already desirous but was silent out of modesty, immediately presented himself before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and submitted a proposal. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had already received an indication by way of divine revelation that the marriage of Hazrat Fatima should take place with Hazrat Ali. Hence, when Hazrat Ali presented a request, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that I have already received a divine indication in this respect. Then the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, sought the consent of Hazrat Fatima, who remained silent out of modesty. And in a way, this was also an expression of acceptance. Therefore, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, gathered a community of the Muhajireen and Ansar and formally announced the marriage of Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Fatima. And this event took place in the beginning or the middle of two Hijri. Afterwards, when the Battle of Badr had taken place, it was proposed that the Rukhstana be held in the month of Zul Hijjah, two Hijri. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, called upon Hazrat Ali and inquired of him as to whether he had anything to pay the dowry. Hazrat Ali submitted that, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, I have nothing. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, responded that what about the coat of mail, i.e. the armour I gave to you on that day, i.e. from the spoils of Badr? Hazrat Ali responded that I do have that. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that that shall suffice, so bring it. Hence this coat of mail, i.e. the armour, was sold for 480 dirhams and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, arranged for the expenses of the wedding from this very amount. The dowry which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, gave to Hazrat Fatima consisted of an embroidered shawl, a cushion made of hide which had been filled with dry date palm leaves and a water skin. It is also related in one narration that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, also gave Hazrat Fatima a handmill as part of her dowry. When these items had been arranged for, there was a need to obtain a home. Until now, Hazrat Ali perhaps lived with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in an apartment built next to the mosque. However, a separate abode was now required where husband and wife could reside after marriage. Therefore, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed Hazrat Ali to find a place where both of them could reside. Hazrat Ali temporarily arranged for a home and the Rukhstana of Hazrat Fatima took place. And on the very same day after the Rukhstana, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, visited their new home and called for some water to be brought to him. He prayed on it and then sprinkled it on both Hazrat Fatima and Hazrat Ali whilst repeating the following words, which I have already mentioned earlier. This is a prayer which the parents of the newly wedded couple should recite as well. 
Nowadays, certain issues arise between the husband and wife after marriage, and this is something that is increasing. And it is simply due to them being increasingly influenced by the material and worldly attractions and are paying less focus towards their faith and towards the commandments of Allah the Almighty. If they give precedence to their faith and pray in this manner, and the parents also fulfill their responsibilities in this manner, then the marriages will remain intact. In any case, the meaning of this prayer is that, O oh my Allah, bless the mutual relations of both of them, and bless those relations of both which are built with others, and bless their progeny. Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmed Sahib further writes, that after this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, left the newly wedded couple alone and returned. Afterwards, one day when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, came to visit Hazrat Fatima, she submitted to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that Harsa bin Noman Ansari was in possession of a few homes and asked if the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would request him to vacate one of them so that they could move closer to him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that he has already vacated so many homes for our sake. Now I feel embarrassed in requesting more of him. In some way or another, when Harissa happened to find out about this, he came running to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and submitted, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, everything I own belongs to you, my master. By God, whatever you accept of me causes me greater joy than that which remains with me. Then this faithful companion insisted and vacated one of his homes, and presented it to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. After this, Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Fatima moved to this home. Despite these straitened circumstances and being in poverty, Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Fatima exhibited piety and contentment. Hazrat Ali is recorded to have stated in our hadith that Hazrat Fatima complained about discomfort in her hands from operating the handmill. Some prisoners had been brought to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and so she went to see the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, but he was not there. She met Hazrat Aisha anha and informed her about the reason she had come. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, returned, Hazrat Aisha informed him about Hazrat Fatima's visit. Hazrat Fatima anha states that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, came to visit us when we had already laid down in bed. We were about to get up when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed us to remain as we were. He then sat between us, and I could feel the coolness of his feet upon my chest. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then stated, that shall I not inform you of something even better than what you have requested? It is that when both of you lay in your beds, recite Allahu Akbar, I Allah is the greatest, 34 times, Subhanallah, I holy is Allah 33 times, and Alhamdulillah, that is all praise belongs to Allah 33 times. For this is better for both of you than a worker. Hazrat Abu Huraira narrates that Hazrat Fatima went to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to request for a worker, and also complained about the discomfort from her work. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that you will not find a worker here. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that should I not tell you of something which would be better for you than a worker? When you retire for bed, you should recite Subhanallah 33 times, Alhamdulillah 33 times, and Allahu Akbar 34 times. This is a narration from Sahih Muslim. Then whilst mentioning the life of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Hazrat Muslim Aud mentions this incident with reference to Sahih al-Bukhari. 
And as a Muslim Maud radiallahu ta'ala no states that Hazrat Fatima complained that she experienced discomfort as a result of grinding the handmill. And it was at the same time that some prisoners were brought to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And so she went to visit the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. But he was not at home, and so she informed Hazrat Aisha as to the reason for her visit, and then returned to her own home. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, returned home, Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala informed the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, about Hazrat Fatima's visit. Upon which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, visited her home, when they had already laid down in their beds. She says, Upon his arrival, I wish to stand. However, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, But keep laying where you are. Then he sat between us both, and I could feel the coolness of his feet upon my chest. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was seated, he said, Shall I not tell you something that is better than that which you have asked for? It is that when you lay down in your beds, Glorify God, ayy Allahu Akbar, 34 times and say Subhanallah 33 times and Alhamdulillah 33 times. And this will be better for you than a worker. As a Muslim Aud radiallahu ta'ala anhu states that this incident shows that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was so careful in the distribution of wealth that despite Hazrat Fatima needing a worker and the fact that she experienced discomfort in her hands from grinding the mill. Yet, despite this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, did not give her a worker. Instead, he enjoined them to pray and directed their attention towards Allah the Almighty. If the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, wished, he could have granted a worker to Hazrat Fatima, because whenever wealth would come to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to be distributed, it would be distributed among the companions, over which Hazrat Ali also had a right, as did Hazrat Fatima. However, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was cautious and did not wish to give those close to him or his relatives a portion of that wealth because it was possible that in the future some may draw erroneous conclusions and kings would deem it appropriate to keep the people's wealth for themselves. Unfortunately, the Muslim rulers of today deem this to be appropriate. Hence, out of caution, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, did not give Hazrat Fatima any of the male or female prisoners who had come to him to be distributed. At this stage, it should also be remembered that from this wealth, God Almighty had assigned a portion for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and his relatives, from which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would spend and also give to his relatives. Hazrat Muslim Aud, radiallahu ta'ala no further states, that unless something fell into his own portion, he would never spend it, nor would he give it to anyone close to him or his relatives. Thus, can the world present the example of a king who protects the treasury in such a manner? And if there is an example, then it is only from among the servants of that pure one. Otherwise, such examples cannot be found in any other religion. The rest will be mentioned in the future, inshallah. At this moment, I would once again like to make an appeal for prayers in light of the current conditions in the world. Now, the Western world, even writers from the USA have started writing in the newspapers that there should be a limit to retaliation and that the West and America should play their role in the current conflict between Israel and Hamas in trying to create peace and to establish a ceasefire. However, they also write that it seems, rather than bringing an end to the war, they are bent upon fanning the flames of war. Just recently, 
there was news that a prominent US official from the Foreign Office resigned because the situation had reached an extreme and too much cruelty was being perpetrated against many innocent Palestinians and that the major powers need to act. Hence, this shows that there are good-natured people among them. And at times, it is seen in the media as well that even Jewish rabbis speak up on their behalf and speak out against injustice. Even the Russian foreign minister has stated that if the situation continues as it is, then this war will spill over to the entire region. In fact, in my view, the war could extend to the entire world. Hence, these people must come to their senses. As I previously mentioned, that the Muslim world must unite and speak up with one voice. If all the Muslim countries, and it is said that there are around 53-54 Muslim countries, if they all raised a united voice, then it would have an impact. One or two lone voices have no impact whatsoever. And this is the way to achieve peace in the world and bring an end to this war. Hence, Muslim countries must strive to their utmost to play their role in order to save the world from destruction. May Allah the Almighty grant them the ability to do so. In any case, we must focus on prayers. May Allah the Almighty bring an end to this war. And may Allah the Almighty save the innocent Palestinians and save them from further cruelty. May he eradicate injustice from the world, wherever it may be. And may Allah the Almighty grant us the ability to pray.